for the sake of those newcomers here, usually people think that we bow three times because we bow to the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha. But it doesn't really make much sense because if you bow to the Buddha image, you're already bowing to the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha. And then when a monk comes and you bow three times again, bowing to the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha. What I found more meaningful is to bow three times out of the first time, out of gratitude for the teachings, whether it's from the Buddha or from a monk. And secondly, out of respect. And thirdly, out of love or loving kindness. You bow three times. The first time, you bow out of gratitude. The second, you bow out of respect. And the third, out of loving kindness. Tonight, I'm going to talk about mindfulness, which is central to all forms of meditation. And which is also indispensable mental factor for living successfully or even for survival as an organism, a sentient being. The word mindfulness is a translation of the Pali word sati, which literally means remembrance. Because in the whole of the Pali language, there's only one word for to remember, and that is sarati, which is the verb, and sati is the noun. If the verb Sarati means to remember, then what does the noun sati mean? It means remembrance. When you talk about remembering, this has got to do with memory. But I would like to point out that there are two types of memory from the Buddhist point of view. One is intentional memory and the other one is spontaneous memory. Mindfulness or sati or remembrance fall under the first group of intentional deliberate memory. Whereas the third aggregate out of the five aggregates the first one is form, the second is feeling, the third is sanya or perception, and the fourth is sankhara or mental formations or fabrications or constructions, whatever you call them. And finally, the last one is consciousness. Sanya or perception, as it is usually translated, is a form of memory, but it is spontaneous memory. You could say that mindfulness is a form of active memory because there is intention involved. Whereas sanya is passive memory. There is no intention involved. But 
If one remembers something intentionally, deliberately, for a long time, and it gets internalized or embedded in your so-called subconscious, then it becomes sanya. It becomes spontaneous memory. And this is very obvious. If you are learning a new language, if you learn a new language, you need to put in the effort and the intention to memorize the sounds and the characters that represent the sounds. Initially, you need a lot of effort, you need a lot of deliberate memory in order to be able to pronounce these words and to read. It's just like when you were kids and you learned the alphabet A, B, C. Well, you had to start off by saying A for apple, B for bribe. This requires effort and intention to remember. But after some time, you don't even have to put in any effort. Then when you look at the letters, automatically you understand what it means. That is sanya at work. Now, just to take the distinction between mindfulness as deliberate memory or intentional memory and sanya or perception as spontaneous memory. For example, in the course of your practice, as you chant Arahang, Samasambuddho, or as you chant Sukino, the mind still runs off. Sometimes it's just spontaneous memory appearing out of the blue. You have no idea how it arises. Sometimes you can see a sensory cause, a sensory trigger. You see something, and then that triggers off a memory. But it was not intentional. You did not purposely think about it. The memory just came about because there is a present cause, and then it triggered off a memory that was thought in your subconscious due from a past experience. These are all very spontaneous. When you look at someone and you recognize that person, it is a spontaneous memory at work. But if you suddenly realize that you don't have your keys in your pocket, and then you start to wonder where you put the key, then you will have to use deliberate remembrance. You have to try to figure out when was the last time I used this key or you have to retrace your steps in order to locate it deliberately, intentionally. I'm making this distinction between deliberate or intentional memory and spontaneous memory. And to repeat, mindfulness falls under the first category. You might wonder, since I defined sati as remembrance, how is it that nowadays many people, including meditation teachers, equate mindfulness with present moment awareness. When you use the word remembrance, you are talking about awareness of a past object. 
not awareness of a present object. And yet nowadays people equate mindfulness with present moment awareness. How is this possible? Isn't there some sort of contradiction? I myself was very confused about this for many, many years since I was a young monk. But finally, I managed to unravel the mystery. And in the course of my research through scriptural study, as well as my own personal practice and uh, interviewing the experiences of yogis, I found out that there were actually four aspects of mindfulness that are very important and useful for application, whether in the worldly sense or in the spiritual sense. These four aspects of mindfulness are what I call the four R's. The first R is remember, the second is to recollect, the third is to remind, and the last one is retrospect. What's the difference? They're all similar in the sense that they all start with RE. And they're all similar in the sense that they all take a past object. That they are all aware or conscious of a past object. Let's start off with the first R, which is remember. And this remember refers to when you're listening to instructions, like what you're doing now. You have to make an effort to remember what I tell you. If you just listen without making an effort to remember what I tell you, when you get up from here, you will not go on to the second R, which is to recollect. You will not be able to recollect the instructions that I had given you because you did not make an effort to remember it when it was being spoken. A very common example is chanting. Some of you might have a regular practice of chanting during evening chanting or morning chanting using a chanting book. You may have been using that chanting book for donkey years, but you never made an effort to memorize the chants. And then suddenly the book is misplaced and you don't have the book, you will not be able to chant. Because you did not make an effort to remember. The second R is actually dependent on the first R. In order to recollect past information, you have to make an effort to remember that information when you are first exposed to it, either through hearing or through reading. This is also very obvious for students or even as an employee. When your boss gives you instructions, then you have to make an effort to remember those instructions in order to recall them and carry them out later.
this is important not only in the spiritual sense but also in the worldly sense. From day one, yesterday, I have been giving you instructions, giving you these ground rules or social norms that you should follow. I've been telling you about Arhang Samasambudo, about Sukino, Wakimino Huntu, of trying to give you the word for word translation so that when you chant you will be able to follow the the Pali meaningfully. And yet I'm sure some of you will forget. And some also say that after some time they find that the chanting goes on automatically at the back of our head, in the background. And the mind is actively thinking of other things. That's what I said yesterday. When it becomes easy, you're used to it, then the mind will find ways of running off to do other things. The chanting is going on in the background, but the mind is thinking of this and that and so forth. The mind works so fast that you think you're multitasking. Actually, it's one thing at a time. It's going back and forth. That is the second R, recollection, to recollect. And this is very important also in your spiritual practice. If you cannot remember the words, how are you going to continue your chanting? If you cannot remember instructions, how are you going to meditate? How are you going to practice mindfulness? That's why these two R's are important. And the third R is remind. You might have a very good memory. Then you listen, you can grasp what's being said, you can memorize it and you can recall it. But if you don't remind yourself to put what you have learned and memorized and recollected in the practice, that also will not be of much use. The third R is to remind yourself to practice according to the instructions that you had remembered and recollected. And finally, the last R is to retrospect. Now I'm using the word retrospect in a very literal sense. Retro means back. Spect means look. You are looking back at what had just happened. Which means to say, for example, when you are meditating and you are practicing open awareness, and then you hear a sound. For example, now you can hear the croaking of the toads and the frogs. You can hear the water crushing below, and many other insects that are screeching away. Actually, what is aware of the sound, what is conscious of the sound initially, are the ears. Ear consciousness is conscious of the sounds. But mind consciousness may not be conscious of the sounds. For example, if you are trying to focus intently on what I'm saying, this other background sound recedes to the background and you don't really pay attention to them. For example, right now you are listening to me, you may not really be aware of the bodily sensations in your body because your mind is 
busy trying to listen to me and trying to understand what I say and possibly also trying to remember what I say. So what I'm trying to say is that the five senses actually become conscious of their respective objects first. And then the mind or mindfulness looks back at that. There's hearing first and then the mind is aware of hearing. There's seeing first and then the mind is aware of seeing. And even more obvious, there is thinking first and then the mind is aware that thought has occurred. You are doing your chanting, chanting, and then your mind runs off and makes up the story and then suddenly you realize, hey, I'm supposed to be chanting, how come I'm getting caught up in this daydream? It has happened first and then you look back at it. That's what is called retrospect. Looking back at what had happened. Particularly what had just happened. And so this last R or retrospect is in conventional language what people call present moment awareness. The so-called present is not the real present, it is an immediate past. But it still falls under the category of mindfulness because mindfulness takes a past object. Whether it is a distant past, an intermediate past, or an immediate past, it is still the job of mindfulness to look back at it. So that is the fourth aspect of mindfulness. All these four aspects of mindfulness, remember, recollect, remind, and retrospect, are just you could say amoral qualities. They are neither immoral nor moral. They don't have any ethical value in them. They are just mental qualities, mental, you could say mental states or mental factors or mental qualities. And every living organism need to have this memory in order to function. If not, that organism would not be able to function. And to be successful in life, of course, this is very important. If you're a student, you will know that. Even if you're an employee or so, you need to have all these four qualities in order to deliver your task. But these four hours become spiritual only when they are applied in the Buddhist sense, or rather in a meditative sense. Whether you're doing Buddhist meditation, or yogic meditation, or Taoist meditation, you still need these four aspects of mindfulness. You need to remember instructions on how to meditate, and then you recollect them, you remind yourself to do so, and you always keep on looking back at your mind to make sure that you are doing what you're supposed to do. These are the four aspects of mindfulness. Now I will go on to talk about how to compose the mind. Because yesterday and this morning I advised you to do the Arahan Samasambuddho and the Tsukino and I said yesterday that these were samatha exercises in the sense that you just focus your attention on your chanting and you don't actually worry about anything else 
actually you ignore any distractions, particularly if you're a new yogi. But if you're a yogi who has got experience, you can actually combine this samatha practice with uh, open awareness and actually even combine that with vipassana. When your mind is chanting and it is busy trying to chant the melody, remembering the words and also trying to understand what you're chanting, then it doesn't have time to think of other things. Remember I told you yesterday that the first thing you need to do is to try to memorize those words. The second thing is you try to, when the mind has already memorized those words and is finding it a breeze to just keep on reciting, then it will start to play tricks. You will start to wander off and ruminate or have discursive thinking and comment on things happening or daydream. So the next thing you need to do is to give it more job, more things to do, which is you try to understand each word word for word, what it means. When you chant in Pali, then you understand what that Pali word, that syllable or that word means. Instead of waiting for the English translation. Sometimes you get the meaning when you're doing the English chanting, but then when you're doing the Pali, your mind will start to run off. You have to try to give more work to the mind to keep it occupied. When you do this for some time, then the mind will settle down because it's now occupied with the chanting. All the past baggage that you had left behind will not be so persistent in distracting your attention. They will become less and less powerful. They will recede in the background and now you are creating a new habit, you are creating new conditions for the mind to be occupied with. By doing so, it actually helps to settle your mind. Besides also giving you other benefits like protection from unseen beings and animals and so forth. Then today, we started to do open awareness. In doing open awareness, instead of focusing on one object, you're supposed to defocus you're supposed to maintain an unfocused gaze, unfocused attention on whatever is happening to the senses. And some of you have reported that even though you are not focusing on a single object, even though there are many objects happening and you are aware of many things happening, the mind also becomes peaceful and composed. And also sometimes it could be a lot of joy because the mind is freed from compulsive thinking and all the attendant worries and concerns. Although the approach is different. One is focused awareness and the other one is open awareness. Focus on a single object, the other one is open up to many objects, you are supposed to defocus. 
Although the two approaches are different, they still bring you to the same result, which is composure. Why is that so? That is because they work on the principle of what I call the 561 features of the six senses. What does that mean? Five here refers to the five senses. Six here refers to the sixth sense, which is the mind. And one here refers to the object of the mind, the object of the sixth sense. The five senses are very specialized in their task, in their ability, in the faculty of consciousness. Each of the five senses can only be conscious of its respective object and nothing else. The eye can only be conscious of colors, but not of smells or sounds or physical sensations. Likewise, the ears can only be conscious of sounds and not sights and smells and tastes and so forth. Each of them are very specialized. They can only be conscious of their respective objects. Secondly, their objects must be in the here and now, in the present moment. The eye can only see something which is right here or in front of the eyes. The ears can only hear sound if the vibrations hit the eardrums. Here and now. That is the basic feature of the five senses. Each of them has got its own specific object. And all of them must have their objects in the present moment. The mind, however, the sixth sense is different. The sixth sense can take any and all of the five sense objects and beyond. What the five senses cannot be conscious of, the mind can also be conscious of, for example, concepts. Concepts and names and ideas, these are not within the province of the five senses. But the mind can conceptualize, can conceive, can ideate and theorize and so forth rationalize and intellectualize. The mind has got a wide range of objects and the mind can also go from past to present to future and to beyond time. Even though the mind is so versatile and has such a broad range of objects, for normal people, the mind can only take one object at a time. That's what this 561 feature is all about. From here we can learn actually a great deal. Now, a lot of people suffer because of our thoughts, our mind, our memories, our past conditioning. And these are all happening up in the mind, not in the five senses putting aside all those physical ailments, physical sensations, 
physical pain and so forth. And some of these physical pain and physical ailments are also psychosomatic in nature. They are caused by your mind. The culprit behind most of our suffering is the mind, because the mind is thinking of a lot of things that are actually unproductive and unnecessary. How do we restrain the mind? How do we control the mind so that the mind doesn't control us and make us suffer? How can we make good use of the mind to increase pleasantness in our life rather than to increase unpleasantness and suffering? One easy way is to extract yourself from all this compulsive and obsessive thinking. I've heard of people who are suffering from depression or suffering from insomnia. And it's all actually about the mind. But since they don't know how to deal with the mind, how to handle the mind, how to manage the mind, they resort to drugs take drugs, antidepressant drugs you take, sleeping pills, all these things are ingested into your body and they will modify the biochemicals in the body. And because they modify the biochemicals in the body, then that also affects the mind because the mind and the body are so closely affected. But it doesn't really solve the problem. You could say it's a first aid measure just to suppress those symptoms. Another way of suppressing those symptoms without resorting to drugs, without resorting to invasive techniques and measures, is simply by doing what you have been doing. Either you do focused awareness practice or open awareness practice. When you do focus awareness, you're focusing on just the chanting of Arahang Samasambuddho, the chanting of Sukino. At that time, your mind is busy with that. So those obsessive and compulsive thoughts have less power to pull your mind away. Initially, they are still there. They still pull your mind away. But because you have something else to do, you bring it back. Eventually, the power of pulling you away becomes less and less and less. That's because of this 5-6-1 feature. Because the mind can only take one object at a time. When you focus it on one object and it stays there, then it will not get caught up in thoughts about the past or the future. Whether it's focused awareness or open awareness, open awareness also you are aware of things happening in the so-called present, immediate past. And when you're busy trying to be aware of things happening, the mind doesn't have the time to go and think about the past or the future, which are the things that make you suffer. You suffer because of all your past memories, your past conditioning, 
and your grudges and your resentment, your grudges, your dissatisfaction is all based on memory. Similar to a drug, this is what the path of samatha does. Samatha, just like it tranquilizes your mind, just like you take a sleeping pill, a tranquilizer, you take an antidepressant. It works in a similar way, but not in an invasive way. It doesn't give you wisdom, but it makes you composed. It frees you temporarily from the suffering caused by compulsive and obsessive thoughts. Whether you do focus awareness or open awareness, because you are focusing on one thing or being aware of what is happening in the so-called present, then the mind has got no time to think of the past or the future. That's why both also will give you composure. So this is the 561 feature. Now, if you understand this 561 feature, then we will also know how the Ada Anchor Principle comes about. Ada Anchor is an acronym that I created for accept, don't, acknowledge, and anchor. Accept means to accept whatever happens. Most people, when they participate in a meditation retreat, have this expectation that they are coming here to meditate. They want to calm their mind. And when you meditate, you are not supposed to have any thoughts or as little thinking as possible. You just want to be peaceful and calm. In the course of a practice, when you get too many restless thoughts and too much drowsiness and sleepiness, then you become very dissatisfied and upset. I'm here for meditation. I've taken one week's leave, so precious for me, and the mind just won't listen to me. And then you try to resist it. You get angry, you put in more effort, and then you tire yourself out. I keep on saying this every retreat and people still do it. <laughs> so that's why I have to say it again and again. Every day I have to say the same things. <laughs> I have to drum it into your head. <laughs> because the mind has been so conditioned to go into that mode of expecting. So conditioned into being a control freak. In Buddhism we always talk about anatta, not self, not me, not mine. It is not under your control. It's all due to causes and conditions. You might not be able to see that right now because your mind is not composed enough. But at least you should have the faith to accept this as a fact. You could say hypothetical. is a hypothetical thing for you because you have not realized it yet. You have not verified it yet. But you should accept it on good faith. Things are supposed to be products of causes and conditions and we don't have any control. This is very important because this is right view. And that right view will shape your path, will shape the direction of your spiritual path. The moment you forget this and you try to be a control freak, then you're going to get into trouble. 
when you meditate, the first thing you need to do is to have this right attitude. Accept all things. Don't reject. Next one is a don't. Don't reject, don't follow, don't ignore. What do you do? You don't reject and you don't follow them, you don't ignore them and what do you do? You acknowledge them for what they are. Which means to say that if you have restlessness, you're aware that the mind is restless. You have many thoughts, you're aware that the mind is thinking. You have uh, many discursive thoughts, you're aware that the mind is having discursive thoughts. If you are reacting towards that, you are not satisfied, you're not happy, you want to push them away, also be aware of that. Be aware that there is this resistance. Be aware. And what do you do after that? After that, you anchor yourself to the five senses. The mind is object-oriented. If you don't anchor the mind to the five senses, then it's going to think of something else better to do. More entertaining. All your intellectual rumination and commentary and all rationalization, all will come. You have to be on your toes all the time and you have to exercise these four hours. Remember, recollect and remind yourself and retrospect to check the mind. Make sure that it doesn't get caught up in these compulsive and obsessive thoughts. And you have to bring it back to anchor to the five senses. This is according to the 561 feature. Once you anchor it to the five senses, you are as near to the present as you can get. Because only the five senses take present objects. Mindfulness does not take present objects. It takes past objects. But because you are being aware of the five sense experiences, you are taking an immediate past object. You are very close to the present, as close as you can get with mindfulness. this other anchor the first one is accept all things don't reject follow or ignore acknowledge them anchor mind to the five senses this is what it's all about when you anchor your mind to the five senses you actually disengage yourself from all those thoughts and even the pain or whatever you call distractions It is not rejecting them, it is not pushing them away, it is merely switching your attention to something else. There is a big difference between rejecting and switching your attention. In rejecting, there is aversion involved, dislike. But in switching, no, it's just, you could say... It's neutral. It's a neutral feeling. It's just a job of switching attention from this to that. You don't dislike it. You just recognize that this has happened and suppose not to get caught up in thoughts. You're supposed to come back to the five senses. And so it's just a matter of programming your mind to behave in a certain way. That's what you need to do. Just remember this and... Actually, in the first part, yesterday when I asked you to do Arahang and Tsukino, 
I didn't really ask you to acknowledge, especially those new yogis. You don't have to acknowledge, you just have to ignore them and they come back. But if you are an experienced yogi, you have done this before, you have done open awareness before, like I said, you can actually combine the two. You can do the arahang and the sukino, and when the mind runs off, you could also be aware and acknowledge what the mind is thinking of, and even you could incline your mind to see the cause and conditioning, and then you come back to your chanting. Actually, the mind works so fast, you can do both at the same time. But if you are a new yogi, you don't have to do that. You can just stick to the Arahant, Samasambodho, Nasukino. Whatever comes, then you just ignore instead of acknowledge. It was yesterday. But today, you are going on to open awareness. And you do that Arahant and Nasukino only twice a day, morning and evening. And whenever... The situation demands. If you encounter a situation which demands these two to help you, then you can use that. Otherwise, by default, you should be practicing open awareness the whole day. To let this sink into your mind, let us recite this together. You follow me line by line. The six senses, five, six, one, shows how they behave. The six senses, five, six, one, shows how they behave. The six senses. Five six one shows how they behave. Do it yourself three times. All five senses only take objects in the present. All five senses only take objects in the present. All five senses. Only take objects in the present. Three times. But the sixth sense takes objects of past, present, future. But the sixth sense takes objects of past, present, future. 
But the sixth sense takes objects of past, present, future three times. Happened your four hours. <laughs> now you cannot even remember how you're going to practice. <laughs> but the sixth sense takes objects of past, present, future. But the sixth sense takes objects of past, present, future. But the sixth sense takes objects of past, present, future. Try. Start from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> the six senses. The six senses. Five, six, one. <laughs> okay, what? <laughs> All together. Do that three times, and then go on to the next one and do three times. Start. Only one object can the mind take at any time. Only one object can the mind take at any time.
Only one object, Only one object. can the mind, can the mind. Take, it take it anytime. Three times. Start from beginning. <laughs> Look, I got all the six senses. <laughs> the six senses. The next one, five six one, is the base for the anchor. So five six one is the base for the anchor. So five six one is the base. For the anchor, subbeginning one time each. <laughs> that means you don't have to do three times, three times. One time, one round, right into the end. The six senses. Next one, uh, the anchor. <laughs> Rule of thumb to steal the monkey mind. 
Ada anchor, rule of thumb, to steal the monkey mind. Ada anchor, rule of thumb, to steal the monkey mind. Three times. Start from the six senses. Start from only one object. So five six one. Accept all things. Don't reject, follow or ignore, accept all things, don't reject, follow or ignore, accept all things, don't reject, follow or ignore. Okay, thanks. Acknowledge them. Anchor mind to the five senses. Acknowledge them. Anchor mind to the five senses. Acknowledge them. Anchor mind to the five senses. We start from other anchor rule of thumb. Three times. Other anchor. No, go straight three times. Other 
Are there anchor? Five senses. Three times. But when sleepy, point and shoot. Hit and run. Don't wait. Don't wait. But when sleepy, point and shoot. Hit and run. Don't wait. But when sleepy, point and shoot. Hit and run. Don't wait. Other anchor. Okay, rule of thumbs. Go. How does it feel like to be back in kindergarten? to test your four hours whether you have the four hours or not if you don't have the four hours how are you going to practice this is all you need to remember <laughs> hope you can put that into practice tomorrow morning when we come for meditation we are going to recite this before we start the guided meditation <laughs> that's all for today <laughs>